Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Sarah, and I am an immersed intern pastor with Women's Ministry. And I'm here today with Ezra, Greg, and Jeff. They are going to talk to you a little bit about their Thanksgiving. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jeff. It's good to see you. Thanks. Thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, this is my first time on the Extra Podcast. What's the reason for that, Sarah? The, the like a long-time <laughs> listener? I, I'm a long-time listener. Huh? Yep. And In the four years I've been at North You complained View. enough to finally get on the podcast. We finally said, we're sick of your complaints. See if you can do any better. So here's I, your I was on the bonus podcast. Oh, yeah. so good. Well, it's great to have you. Thanks. What did you ask us? I asked you what your Thanksgiving highlight mm. or low light was. Because I know some of you are a little pessimi- pessimistic um, by nature. I, let me go first because it'll be yeah. quick. Uh, for Thanksgiving this year, we had macaroni and cheese. Yeah, I think that was it. And I'm not sure it's if not that's a highlight my, or well, a lowlight. It was not actually my Thanksgiving. So <laughs> okay. I went to macaroni and cheese. And then apparently I found out that ma- that Thanksgiving's actually the Monday, mm-hmm. which I found out today that that was the case. So my actual Thanksgiving uh, dinner was taco time in Linden. So. Wow. Again, highlight or lowlight? It's that, pretty good. It was okay. But right. I don't get to, we didn't get together with family or have any big event. You, you'll do that in November. No. no. Yeah, I mean, we'd love to, but we're going to be, because in Canada, they don't celebrate it. It's a regular day, so my son's got a volleyball oh, tournament. Oh, you got to work. Yeah. You might get a bunch of invites for next year. Yeah, if listeners is. feeling sorry yeah. for you. It's a quiet weekend. Yeah, this year we didn't get to do much with my family over Thanksgiving, so we're just kind of chilling, obviously enjoying our our time together as a family. I usually go up to Williams Lake oh. around Thanksgiving weekend. Who's in Williams Lake? Uh, there's some dear friends of ours who used to be uh, members and attendees of Northview, and so they sold their property and the businesses here, and they moved up to Williams Lake, uh, bought a beautiful property there. They have horses and Ezra, do you shoot things stuff. while you're there? Oh, yes, sir, Before you I answer- do. Okay, well, you already answered, so. Yes, I do. So, Is that appropriate for a Mennonite Brethren pastor to go up and shoot things? No, I don't. Actually, what I, I'm, all I'm shooting is targets. I don't shoot animals, Jeffrey. My husband and kids shot a deer this weekend. Oh, my goodness. And she actually confessed. Do you eat it? Yeah, it's at the butcher right now. It's going to be How did they dinner. get it to the butcher? Well, uh, on a trailer behind I have a friend. I have they a friend in New Zealand who taught me how to, who was like drew diagrams for me on how you can turn a, 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 a killed deer into a backpack so you can bring it out of the woods. Wow. So if you ever need somebody to <laughs> take care of the deer after you shoot it, turn it into a backpack. <laughs> I'm <What>? your guy. <laughs> That's what Mr. Ingalls would do in Little House in the Prairie. You'd see him coming out of the woods through the snow with the deer mm-hmm. on his back. Greg, have you ever made a backpack out of a deer? No, I haven't. I haven't made a backpack out of anything, actually. Okay. <laughs> Ever? <laughs> so how was your Thanksgiving? Was disappointing. Uh, my Thanksgiving was good. We uh, we had our, our family dinner on Monday with my side. With Sarah's side, we had it the weekend previous because of just the way it worked with people's schedules. But on the Sunday for Thanksgiving, uh, I preached. That was what I did you on preached. Thanksgiving Sunday. So we were... We had our launch service for the East Abbotsford you campus. You and I spent Thanksgiving Day together then, Greg. And you know what? That was my highlight. Yeah, I saw you guys there. Was uh, Jeff and I hanging out in the hallways of Abbotsford Christian School. Wow. At, a, at, at the launch of a campus of Northview Community Church, Greg. 
Yeah, it was awesome. It right? was great. It was uh, yeah. It was uh, I'm encouraged. It was a good first service. What so, did okay, you preach just, on? Before before you go to what he preached on, Jeff, yeah. you were there and you were a reporter on the scene. We got a short little snippet of you there interviewing a few people and yeah. telling us a little bit about uh, Greg's sermon, which and, yeah, it sermon. allegedly was better than mine, mm. according to you. Mm. Well, uh, at that point it was. <laughs> so my question to you, though, Jeff, is how was it? From your from your perspective, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. How exciting is it to plant churches? And you go there and you see all these people, many of whom, I mean, in this case, many of whom came from their Downs Road campus, but at the same time, uh, like hundreds of people, seven hundred and some people showed up to that thing. And which many was, are a lot more involved there than they ever were yeah. at Downs Road. Yeah, and it's fantastic to see them serving and get there early, smiles on faces as they're putting chairs out early, and mm-hmm. people very excited about. Uh, eating the baking between the services and visiting with either, with each other. Lots of people from the uh, I lots of people didn't recognize me and uh, who were not part of the launch team. They just showed up for the first weekend, mm-hmm. not not many from not from church, not from either de-churched or unchurched type yeah. folks and it was great. It's great. Yeah, our, our uh, CM person mentioned that at, at least at the 9 a.m. service, I think she said that there was b- between 15 or 20 kids who had never been involved at, at Downs Road or anything else, just straight from the community, people being checked in. So Wow. So that's that's encouraging to hear people getting the report about it starting up and trying it out, and Lord willing, they'll, yeah, they'll stay couple, plugged met, in. Met one, one guy who was uh, scouting it for his family, <laughs> which is awesome. They sent him out. out. I was like, oh. That's so. great. But it was great. At a really good time. This is why you plant churches in the end, right? You get to reach out into parts of communities where – you know, people wouldn't take the drive. It's not that far. It's 15 minutes over to the Downs Road campus, but it does feel like it's the other side of the town. And so people, you know, a church like Northview is sort of out of their mind because it's it's mm-hmm. a, in another location. But when there's a campus right near them, it's a bit of a draw. It's like, oh, oh I so, asked so many people, where yeah. are you from? And, oh, I'm just down mm-hmm. the street. It's so much easier to invite neighbors and have a conversation and say, come down the road Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. So much easier. Okay, so for listeners uh, who would be interested in coming to that service. So what times are your services? How do people get there? Yeah, we meet at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and we are at the Abbotsford Christian School High School Middle School property. So ACS has a elementary school property on Old Claiborne, on Claiborne Road. Um, I think it's called Old Claiborne. Is it? Still at that point, I, but I yeah, should, sure. It's, it's across the street from Sandy Hill, that one, but that's not the one you're right. at. No, you're going to no. keep driving further along the road to the same road. to the same on the same road mm-hmm. down to their high school middle school campus and uh, we have some parking out front so if you're new uh, there's going to be a spot for you up front if you're going to be coming more regularly at some point I'm going to probably get in your face and tell you about our, our shuttle that leaves from the Bateman Secondary School and say can you please take the shuttle because we want to leave room up in the front lot for visitors so which uh, is the shuttle is a it's a little Disneylandish People uh, told that us w- that they love the shuttle. I was on the shuttle, and people were saying, it kind of feels like we're at Disneyland, yeah. but kind of not. But it was fun. <laughs> and yeah. at the shuttle station, yeah. there's Tim Horton's coffee Yes, that you can have. You can enjoy a little cup of coffee and then hop on the shuttle. Start start your community time a little bit early with people. Yeah. So, so given the fact that you have a, a 9 and 11 service, so if I want to come to the 9 o'clock service, what time should I get to Bateman? Uh, we have shuttles that run on the 12th. Every 12 minutes. So you could get a shuttle at 8, 8, 12, 8, 24, 8, 36, or 8, 48. 
So what's fun now is you have people being like, oh, what shuttle are you taking? I'm on the 24 shuttle. Nice. Oh, that is good. awesome. A, I, so I was late. I had to take the 48. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I got there and I saw the shuttle leave. So then I had to wait. And you were like, no. There it goes. But it so, came back for you. Greg, you preached. And I did. you preached the same, kind of the same sermon as Ezra, but you definitely had a bit of a different feel for it because it was too the East Abbey campus, kind mm. of a church launch. Um, can both of you give us a quick outline of your Sunday morning sermon? Because today we're answering the question, and we're going to discuss this question. We might not fully answer it mm. for you, the listener, but the question is, how do I know if I'm saved? Mm. And the scripture that you preached on kind of spoke to this near the end of the passage in Romans 10, verse 13. Right. Yeah, so my outline was uh, essentially... Uh, two points. First, that faith saves, and secondly, talking about the kind of faith that saves. So this passage in particular is a continuing of a conversation for the Apostle Paul, unpacking the idea of, of why is it that people that I'm expecting to come to saving faith in Jesus haven't been? Mm-hmm. And and people that I, I wouldn't have expected to be saved, namely the Gentiles, are being saved. What's, what's actually going on here? Um, and so Romans 9, the beginning part of Romans 9, talks a lot about uh, the, the God perspective of that scene. Um, how do we make sense why some people are saved and other people aren't? And then in this passage, he starts uh, continuing that same theme, but addressing it more from the how people are responding to uh, the, the work of Jesus in particular. And so uh, his, his argument is essentially that the reason why uh, some people are being saved and some people aren't is because of... Uh, their faith in Christ or not. Right. And he used a fantastic illustration for the people listening about, we're trying to run this race. Well, the Jews were trying to run this race. Yeah, so the language in the text in, in Romans 9, the the latter part of Romans 9, is that you have the Jews who are who are pursuing righteousness through the law, but not obtaining righteousness. And then you have the Gentiles who aren't pursuing righteousness, but have attained it. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I kind of use the imagery of a marathon. Of You have the Jews running the marathon, trying to finish the law themselves, but not actually getting to the finish line. And you have a whole bunch of Gentiles who are eating donuts on the sideline, not even in the race, but they're in the winner's circle. So what was the difference? Well, the difference was that it's actually Jesus who's the culmination of the law, who actually finished the law. He, he did it perfectly. He reached the finish line. He's in the winner's circle. And then he fired up a bus and came back to all the marathon runners saying, why don't you hop in the bus? And if you do, I'll take you to the finish line and you'll be saved. And, and, it's, and even the people standing on the side watching. Right. So you have the, the Gentiles the with the donuts in their hands are like, yeah. cool, I get the medal and to be in the finish line. And you have the Gentiles with their 12 packs, or sorry, the Jews, but with the 12 pack abs running the marathon in real great shape saying, no, I don't want to be in the bus. Um, I'm going to try to finish the race on my own. Okay. Ezra, what did you say? Basically, my sermon had to do with the pursuit of righteousness. So here you have language where the Jews are pursuing righteousness, but they don't attain it. And righteousness here being, you know, having satisfied God's moral requirements. So I would say then my my two points were righteousness is not attainable through human effort, Mm -hmm. but righteousness is attainable by faith in Jesus Christ. So I basically unpacked similar things to what Greg, ha- Greg has talked about here, where saving faith, you can't obtain saving faith by by works, by observing the law, by trying to be as nice as you can or doing good works. No, you can't because you will fail. It's only by faith in Jesus that um, grace is attainable. Right. Or saving so faith. 
if you're listening to either of these sermons or if you're listening to this podcast, the um, the verse if? we're going to look at, if yeah, you are listening, okay, don't just, turn I it off. I just, Maybe man. you will now. Man. <laughs> Welcome here, Sarah. It's a yeah. big hypothetical, Sarah. I can handle rudeness. All, if, if some of you are listening. <laughs> right? Carry on, Sarah. He's done. He's done. All right. You go now. So chapter 10 in Romans, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, both of your sermons mentioned faith. So it was a more, um, you explained what this means to be saved. But we want to talk about how we here, Christians, actually say, how do I know if I'm saved? Maybe I've said, I believe in Jesus. Is that all I need to say? Can I make a comment prior to that, which is that I want totally, let's talk about that. But before that, I just want to make it clear. This is something that came up as we talked about the doctrine of election in Romans 9 that I feel like needs to be stated. Romans 9 and Romans 10 are happily placed side by side by the Apostle Paul. One of them emphasizes divine sovereignty over salvation, and the other one emphasizes, so Romans 9, divine sovereignty. Romans 10 emphasizes the human responsibility to respond to the gospel message, mm-hmm. right? This, this, this is the very point I was trying to make at the end of my second sermon on, on um, the doctrine of election, that the scriptures have no problem placing these things side by side and assuming both of them are true. And so what's interesting about the phrase you just cited, okay, is all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Mm -hmm. But that language of calling has shown up in Romans, end of Romans 8, okay? Uh, He foreknew, uh, he predestined, he called, he justified, glorified. So so God is the one calling in an an effective sense there. Uh, Romans 9 uses that language of calling to talk about the elect, so God calls his elect, and his elect in Romans 10 are the ones who call. Do you see, do you see that verse? Mm-hmm. So they call freely out of their own will on the Lord Jesus, but the reason they call freely is because God has called them. Mm-hmm. So the calling of God precedes the calling of people, but the calling of people, do you understand by calling of people? Not, right, is a response. It's a subjective. <laughs> so right. like, uh, the, the calling of people is necessary for salvation. You will not be saved unless you call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to get into that this week in the sermon. Uh, and, but, but essentially, this is what you need, you need to understand, that salvation is, a, is, is of the Lord, right? But it requires a response from the people that God ultimately assures because He's really good at calling people. He's really good at calling people so that they end up calling on Him. So maybe people have this question because they've said things that they know aren't true. I like ice cream when really I hate ice cream. So someone can call upon the name of the Lord verbally, but not really call upon the name of the Lord. So then they ask the question, how do I know if I'm saved? Mm. Yes. How do you know you're saved? Mm-hmm. I think one of the, another um, angle or nuance to the the question that arises for people is that there are, that there's the, the thought that I, I, I'm pretty sure I believe these things, but we know that our emotions are all over the place on any given day mm-hmm. regarding our faith, regarding all, all kinds of things. And so we we will tend to, or I have and, and others I'm sure have also, have, have tended to kind of try to gauge our savedness based on how we feel we're saved or, or right. not. Don't ever root your salvation in how you feel about it. Right. Ever. 
Because unfortunately, we live in a society these days that basically says that, listen, if you don't feel good about Jesus, you're not a Christian. Now, listen, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I largely affirm that, right? Because of course, you have to have an affection for Jesus, right? You must be born again. And I, I imagine that there is some level of affection one would have to have for Jesus in that. Like, I mean, John Wesley said his heart was strangely warmed toward the gospel. If I think about Jesus, there should be a sense of, I want him, mm-hmm. right? I want what he has to offer. I want to know him. Right? I long for his coming. These things are all should be things that warm your heart. But if you root your salvation or your sense of that, that you believe that you're saved in those feelings and those feelings alone, they will depart you. I promise you they will depart you. There'll be moments in your life where you feel like you're praying and the prayers hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not saved. Right. Okay? That that when you the best thing to root your salvation or your confidence in is the promise of Jesus, mm-hmm. who says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Okay? So, so Jesus says, no one's going to snatch him out of my hand. So you trust that the God who you've placed your confidence in is able to fulfill what, you, what, what he's promised to you. Mm-hmm. Or better yet, the God who called you right. will accomplish the purpose for which he called you. Right. 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 And ultimately, that that transcends an emotional state. Right. You say, listen, it's a, a, either God is going to keep His promise, or He is not going to keep His promise. He's a He's a God who who through, the whole Bible basically is one big story about God keeping a promise to mm. people. Right. So that's that's what you need to root your salvation in, your confidence in, is the promise of God, not your emotions. There, there's a if if you want to want. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There, there's a one of the questions that I ask myself and that I've asked others is people who are saying, "Well, I don't like. I feel like I'm in a season where like it's it's unclear emotionally how I feel about about my faith or whatever." But there is a I think there's an indication un, underneath that. Like, do you want to even have a closer relationship? Do you do you want this emotional low point to to end so that you actually do feel relationally more close. There's that underlying want question that isn't actually, I don't think, a natural state in people. This this desire to want to have a relationship with to God. To have an affection for the things of God. If you want Jesus, you can have him. Yeah, the like, Holy Spirit exactly. will push you towards that. I mean, the reason that most people, I think, struggle with this question is because, is ultimately, though, because uh, two things. Either they don't feel it in the moment, and we've been taught for so long that that's basically what salvation is, is this feeling of happiness mm-hmm. toward God and Jesus. So if I don't feel that, if I don't feel a, a, a love... Uh, you know, by love, I, I mean it's it's an emotional experience toward the Trinity. That I'm not, I don't, I'm not even a Christian. Just as a, as an aside, just can you imagine if you treated your marriage that way? Hmm. Like if every moment is not some romantic bliss, you're not actually married. Like that's absurd. My marriage is only as good as how I feel about my wife at every given moment. That's not a good thing. Oh, I hope she's not treated it that way because I know there are times that she's like, yeah, he's my he's my friend, hmm. right? So. I think some people root it in how they feel, and they, it ebbs and flows. Their confidence in their salvation ebbs and flows with their feelings. One of the other issues, though, is that um, they root their salvation ultimately in what they do, mm. okay? And so what they do is not good. <laughs> they, they say they follow Jesus, but then they sin, and then they're, they feel awful, and they think, well, God would obviously never love me. Because I'm not a good person, I can't do it. Right, I can't. I can't. I can't do, do, it. do the Christian life. So obviously, I'm not must must not be a Christian. 
And I'm saying that both of those things are not true. Mm-hmm. That how you feel about it is can can be important, but it's not should not be the foundation of it. And secondly, what you do uh, is important, but it's not the foundation of it. Mm-hmm. It's the promise of Jesus is the foundation of it. Your belief, your faith in the promise of Jesus. Okay, so practical question. So there'll be people who, uh, as a pastor, I meet from time to time, and they will say, um, Ezra, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm not a very good Christian because I try and read the Bible, but I just don't get it. And I don't feel like praying, or I forget praying, or I don't pray for a long time. And and when I'm praying, it's kind of those kind of, God help, God help, kind of f- prayers. Mm-hmm. But then when everything is going okay, eh, I couldn't really be bothered. I, When it comes to giving, I'm not as faithful or consistent. So I just feel like, I may say I'm saved, but I'm not a good Christian at all. If anything, I even doubt whether I'm a Christian because... In my heart, yeah, I, I know Jesus, he died for me. I know the whole gospel thing and all that, but I... I but these yeah, are the, real questions. The, the Bible have. just is, is, is a big, mysterious book yeah. that I don't get. Yeah, so in that conversation, I, I, the way you describe that, Ezra, sounds to me that you're rooting your salvation in your works. Mm-hmm. And of course you don't feel very good about it because you stink at it. Mm-hmm. Right, the good news about Christianity is it's not, it's not Islam, it's not mm-hmm. Buddhism, you're not justified. It's not Mormonism. You're not justified by how well you keep keep things. It's not Judaism. It's not based on how well you keep the law. Mm-hmm. It's based ultimately on how well Jesus keeps the law. He kept it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so, in the end, in in the end, as far as your justification goes, your ability to to do the Christian life well is immaterial. Mm-hmm. Right. What is material is whether or not in your heart you want Jesus. And in your heart, when you don't do it well, do you have a heart of uh, humility toward God that says, have mercy on me, a sinner? Mm-hmm. And if your answer to those questions is yes, somebody comes to me and asks me a question, I struggle, with, I struggle with, with assurance of salvation, can you help me? And I say, are you worried about it? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, yeah, probably Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's a question children have. Yeah. You know, they've grown up in church, they know about the Bible, they mm-hmm. believe like verbally, they'll they'll profess that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross and that he rose again. But then they'll say at night, Mom, Dad, how do I know I'm a Christian? Yeah, but based on this profession of faith, I you baptize you in the name of the Father, yeah. Son. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Ultimately, because we're rooting, that's my point, we're rooting it in the two things that, uh, that we're, uh, quite honestly, the Christian community teaches us to root it in, and mm. neither of them are good. Mm. And the Christian community, unintentionally, I think, Teaches us that you should you should root your salvation in how you feel about God at any particular moment because all church is supposed to be exciting and happy and joyous and comforting and all that stuff. And second, uh, you should be a good person if but you're if, a Christian. If people so, have those deep beliefs. It's going to take more than just hearing you say this to yeah, change that. It will, but I, this it's something that they need to they need a gospel renewal. They mm. need to ha- recognize that actually that the promise of Jesus. It stands outside of you. The promise of Jesus to keep his word stands outside. It's not based upon how you feel and ultimately not on how you do because you didn't get into it by how you do. It was your failure to do that got you into it. What's interesting here is the book of Galatians, the very beginning of the book of Galatians, is very helpful here 
Because this is what Paul says to them. He says, uh, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. In fact, I think it's in chapter 3, he, three, said, yeah. he says, you know, by beginning by the Spirit, are now you being perfected by works of the law? So in other mm-hmm. words, look, your, your salvation was begun by your inability to keep the law, and you turning to God and His Spirit enlivening you, and you realizing in humility that, I, like in Greg's language here, the only way to get to the finish line is on the bus. You gave up. So now, now that you've gotten to this finish line, you've decided at some point, I suppose, that you're going to go over and say, you know, what, I'm just going to try that race again. Do you know, I'm just going to go, <laughs> I'm just going to go back. Right. I'm just going to start marching back to where I was, and I'm going to start running again. And I, I'm telling you that you will necessarily feel that you are not a Christian because you cannot run the race. You cannot ultimately run the race, and you will always have to turn back to Jesus and trust in His grace. Okay, so to here's save a question. You. So, question, Jeff. Um, so, you have someone who, and, and Greg as well, we can chime in here. Um, there are various passages that Paul will say, you know, put to death the deeds of the flesh, yep. and then he'll have a whole list, and then clothe yourselves with these virtues and a whole list. Mm-hmm. So you find someone who probably is listening, and he is now, okay, the scriptures say put to death this. So they're trying, and they're trying, and they're trying, but they keep failing and failing well, and failing. Well, they succeed at times, and then they fail at times, right. and they succeed at times, yes. and they fail at times. But yes. at, the end, at, at the end of the day, they feel like, I am more of a failure than a winner. Right. And our, my, my response is, are you willing to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation? And if your answer at any given point is yes, I'm going to say, based on this profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You understand? Right. So in other words, the the key, mm-hmm. I'm not in any way suggesting that somebody who's a Christian will will never uh, improve morally, or somebody's... I think somebody who's a Christian necessarily lives out good works, okay? That God mm-hmm. has prepared beforehand, that they, we should walk in them, to use the language of Ephesians 2. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are saved by grace through faith unto obedience... Mm-hmm. And if the obedience isn't there, it raises questions ultimately about whether you've been saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Okay? But there is a difference between somebody who is willfully disobeying God. So they, they claim to be a Christian, they profess faith in Jesus, and they willfully disobey God, mm-hmm. okay, and are unrepentant about it. Mm-hmm. I have a huge question marks over their salvation. I think that they're lying. I actually if, think I think that, that James one says that they're deceiving themselves. So this is someone who is blatantly unrepentant. They know right. the word of God is said yeah. thou shalt not do yeah, and they whatever do. and they do it. They do, and they turn willfully. away. They turn away. So, and I, no so that's, that's one person I'm saying okay. I there's I would not give any assurance to somebody in that situation. Okay. If they came forward to me and said, uh, no, actually I'm you know, I'm like the rich ruler. I, I mm. want I want all my money for myself, and I don't want to share any of it with anybody. And mm. don't tell me to do something with my money. Mm. I don't really care what Jesus has to say. Okay, mm. then I'm going to tell you right now that based mm. upon your profession, I and ultimately your actions. Even if they say, "Oh, well, I believe in Jesus," I'm going to say, but, "Dude, dude, mm. proofs in the pudding," right? And I'm going to put big question marks over their faith. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not practicing. They're not. They're, they're not well, they're not, not practicing it. Not I would practicing. only warn them. I think the scriptures only warn them. For sure. However, that's different than the person who. Let's say. So, I'll, real issue. Okay. So, there's a guy who. I'm not saying any particular guy, although it could be any particular guy, <laughs> these days. There's a guy who's who is in the fight against pornography in his life, fighting, 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 
experiences great moments of great victory, meaning that I'm following Jesus and for long periods of time, and then he falls back into some, looking at something late at night, he watches, looks at something, which is, of course, a grave sin, and he feels just atrocious about it and comes to God on his knees saying, oh God, I'm just, this is terrible. And then he has some period of, of success and then he fails and sometimes a little more failure and sometimes success, but ultimately over the long haul, the Lord is sanctifying him, right? He's, his heart is warm toward God. And every time he sins, he feels that, or you could do it with women, perhaps with the same issue, mm-hmm. which is still an, it's an issue mm-hmm. for women these days as well, but mm-hmm. you could say that a women who you know, maybe gossip a lot in a particular setting, and they know that it's wrong, and they just fight it, and they come away from the meetings with their other girlfriends, and they're like, oh, man, my, just, my words were not edifying mm. today. But then they might have some success and then failure, but each time there's failure, there's a warmth toward Jesus so coming back to him like the prodigal, you know, saying, I'm not worthy to be your child. Have mercy on me, a sinner, right? Mm. This sort of stuff. That's the mark of a Christian. That's the life of a Christian. right. So in the, in the end, somebody in that situation I'm going to treat differently because of the warmth of their heart in mm-hmm. repentance toward God. So whenever somebody comes, again, when somebody comes and asks me questions about this, I almost always just ask the question, do you, do you love Jesus and do you want to follow him? Mm-hmm. If the answer is yes, do you want to submit your life to, to him? Yes. Are you sorry for your sin? Yes. And I think Based upon your profession is... of faith, I baptize <laughs> you. Right. I think that is a very, very liberating statement that you've made there, a very liberating point, because I think a lot of people get stuck in, um, I've been trying and trying and trying to get to put to death this issue in my life, be it envy, greed, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But then they keep trying and they fail and they fail and therefore they give up and say, you know what, I'm not good at Christian anyway, because... In many cases, they come to church and they begin and to I compare. And I want to say, yes, you're right. You're not a good Christian. Yeah, but they look. I mean, <laughs> they're my. Yeah, like but, the, who is Jesus is a good Christian. But but he you, was really good at it. But you but you do realize that in many ways, in Christian circles, we we are not very good at confessing our sins to one another. If anything, we come across as perfect. So, so I yeah, have it all sorted. So that's right. my thing, though. Ultimately. Is the re- the reason we struggle with to confess our sins to one another, or I mean, I struggle with it. You, everybody struggles in that regard, right. and the reason is because in the Christian community we put up a, a front, a, well, a righteousness face, mm-hmm. right? That hey, we're doing good, and I'm I'm obeying Jesus, and I'm doing the right stuff, and I don't have any struggles. And of course, then you find out later, oh, this person's had this terrible difficulty yeah. with this particular sin. And if deep down you're believing that your works are saving you, you're not going right. to tell anybody how bad right. you are. And so the mm. church at some point needs to kind of get over this. Mm-hmm. We, the, we need to get over it and recognize, actually, that there's no, you know, no righteous people allowed, and, only, and yet only righteous people are in. Do you see what I mean? But it's an alien righteousness. It's not yours. It's the righteousness of Christ. Right. And it, it will have an effect in your life. God will sanctify you. He will make you holy. But it's a fits and starts kind of thing, man. It, it moves forward a couple steps back, one and a half, then forward a couple more maybe, or one, and then it just, it's like the stock market graph. You sort of grow over life in these like peaks and valleys and over your whole life. I could look back at my, myself and my struggles with anger, right? As a younger man, I was far quicker to anger. And you might look at me and go, you're angry all the time now, Jeff. But I'd be like, you should have seen me before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But yeah, the so Lord you're, is doing you're talking work. about per- perseverance. 
and moving forward. And you did a sermon a number of months ago, a year ago, I'm not even sure. But you talked about it in one of our micro classes too, for immersed students, um, about the nature of saving faith. Mm. And you're kind of talking about that right now. You just don't have your three words <laughs> attached to it, which are good words. They are. Yeah. Uh, listen, if when people ask about what is what is the nature of saving faith, like... In fact, I've been thinking about sharing this at a conference. I've been asked to speak at a couple of conferences recently, and this comes up so often. I've wanted to share it with some other pastors because it, it has been very helpful to me over my years of study to recognize that I think the scriptures teach a, a lot about this, but I've categorized them into three things. So how do I know I'm saved? Well, uh, I, I'd say saving faith is professed, it's practiced, and it's persevering. It's professed in the sense that somebody... You're not saying, you, you could be practicing the faith, you know, like, you, you know what I mean, doing good works and being kind to your neighbors and stuff like that, and even doing that your whole life. But if you don't profess faith in Jesus, you're not a Christian. Right. Right? But you need to profess, you must be born again, says, says Jesus to Nicodemus. And I think this is the passage you guys were basically preaching about this last week, right? Uh, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. So there is a profession to it. But there's also a practice to it. If somebody has a profession, but it's not matched by practice, and by that, okay, I don't mean like a perfection. I mean that they are committed to following Jesus, using that language, to walk in his way, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So you submit to the moral authority of Jesus in your life. You, 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 uh, when Jesus taps on things, you come to room and I tap on things, you know, like when he comes to some realization that the way you're living is in blatant um, rebellion against what it is that he said in his word, you are willing, your heart is warmed toward Jesus' way. You might struggle a little bit with that, but you're willing to submit to the authority of Jesus. That's what it means to be practiced. I would say that that's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That stuff should show up like the fruit of a tree if the tree is healthy. So if the Spirit is in you, then that should show up somewhere. And yes, in fits and starts, and you will struggle and stuff, but you will always want to, you will always want to come back because there's no one greater than Jesus is ultimately. So professed, practiced, and ultimately persevering. The Scriptures have a lot of warnings about people who start with their profession and their practice. They might be professed and practiced for a period of time, but then they stop at some point and say they give in because they, God lets them down in their minds, or he, they, he, he ends up you know, showing himself to be someone that they didn't expect, whatever. They have a bad moment in their life, and they decide, I'm done with Christianity, or walk away, or to use the language of Hebrews, they, they, they drift away because of whatever is going on in their lives. Uh, you have to persevere to the very end to be saved. Well, okay? Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 speaks of the race, kind of like yep. what Greg talked about, mm -hmm. that we're being watched by great witnesses, but that we need to finish. We need to throw off the sin, yep. and we need to finish, but we're not actually The whole book of Hebrews is, is essentially about perseverance. Yeah. That's what it's, it, it is, and it gives lots of warnings to people who are not, who are not going to, you know, the th it threats to say, if you don't finish, you know? But if you are called, you will finish. You will finish. But that's yeah. the point in the end is that God, this beauty of, the beauty of doctrine of election is that God hmm. will make these things happen. These are the means by which you will be saved. But God will make sure they happen. There's a lovely verse, by the way. So pra profess, practice, persevering. And you say, well, how's that going to happen? Well, the, there's a lovely passage in, in Philippians 2, I think verse 12, um, says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So when you, hear, when you hear that, you should be hearing, work out a professed, practiced, and persevering faith 
with uh, fear and trembling. Just think about the language there. Like, you better give it everything you got. And the word, the Greek word to work out there is word energizo. It's energizer bunny. You know, always be going, always be working, work, 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 work. But then the second part in verse 13 is, for it's God who works in you to will and act according to his good pleasure. So it's not like you've been thrust into this into this work all alone. God is going to motivate, energize you so that you can ex- display the, the proper energy. Do you see? Mm-hmm. So God saves you through your pra- professed, practiced, and persevering faith. But it's his, do you understand? This is where the divine sovereignty and human responsibility is, sits together again. It's heavy stuff. We could talk it's about great it. great stuff. It's good stuff. But we are going to close. And I'm going to ask Ezra to pray for our listeners. As Absolutely. We close. Thank you. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness toward us. Thank you for this past weekend. And thank you that we could uh, gather around tables or across this city in our nation here, giving thanks for just the bounty you have blessed us with, the grace that you have shown us. And Father, I know right now there will be listeners who are struggling with this very question, uh, uncertain uncertain about their, their own salvation because they feel like they are not good Christians, obedient Christians, because they keep failing in different ways. Father, I pray that uh, some of the things, discussions we've had here would, would have brought some clarity to to our people. And I pray, Lord, that for those who are still struggling, those who still have um, have been taught wrongly through the decades, Father, I pray that uh, you'd help us to disciple our people well, that they may think rightly about the gospel and their own salvation, that their feelings wouldn't drive them to, to conclusions that are false and unbiblical. And also pray, Father, against uh, moralism, those who think that it's through their good works um, they'll attain salvation. Father, that's not it either. So, Lord, we pray that you'd grant us more of your spirit, that we may be able to uh, better understand your gospel and walk in light of it. Thank you for this time you've given us to discuss these things in Jesus' name. Amen.